What's next now that the U.S. and NATO allies have left Afghanistan as we look at Israel and its impact with Bible prophecy today? Find out in today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here today with co-host Joseph Kerr, and we're excited to join you today. Now that the U.S. and NATO allies have left Afghanistan, the big question is what's next? Joining us today to answer the question is author of Enemies and Allies, Joel Rosenberg. The book invites readers to join Joel as he holds closed-door meetings and exclusive interviews with some of the most controversial world leaders of our time. Joel, welcome back to A View from the Wall. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on the program. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and I've read many of your novels over the years, and now I'm excited about this nonfiction work that talks about what has been happening in the Middle East and some of your experiences. But as we begin, I want to focus on just the obvious, where things are now. We've recently left Afghanistan as a nation. Talk a little bit about the mindset that's going on between America and the Middle East with the Taliban. Do we even understand what the differences are, what's at stake? Well, unfortunately, um, the the uh, disaster that's unfolding in Afghanistan actually goes to the central point that I make in this new book, Enemies and Allies, and that is this, to misunderstand the nature and threat of evil is to risk being blindsided by it, okay? December 7th, 1941, America was blindsided by the evil of the imperial Japanese government um, we just didn't understand that they hated us so much or that they had the capacity or will to hit us at Pearl Harbor the way they did. And and so we were blindsided. We were blindsided 20 years ago on 9-11. The, the country and our leaders just didn't understand the threat uh, posed by Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. That was a horrific uh, wake-up call. And, you know, and, and so what we've got right now, unfortunately, is President Biden has just surrendered uh, to a radical Islamist uh, terrorist organization known as the Taliban. In a country of Afghanistan, I've been there. I've met with uh, tribal Muslim leaders there. I've met with Afghan Christian leaders there. But but Afghanistan, had that war had been won. Okay, It wasn't perfect. It was messy. But it was stable until President Biden essentially pulled out the Jenga sticks right. and the whole thing collapsed. And it's humiliating. And unfortunately, Biden's moves have emboldened our worst enemies in the Middle East and rattled, deeply rattled, our allies. Joel, there's a different mindset in radical Islam from what we have in this country. So there are people here who, you know, wonder, as do I sometimes, there are radical Islam, there are some Muslims who don't agree with that philosophy. Is there room for all of us to coexist, or is that just wishful Western thinking? Well, one of the points that I make in Enemies and Allies and in my other work is that we have to be very careful, especially as Christians, uh, not to paint all of Islam as as radical. Uh, Okay, so obviously as evangelical Christians, we disagree theologically with Islam. Uh, There's no question about that. 
But the question is, is all of Islam uh, dangerous and violent? And the answer is no. Um, and I've studied this now for 20 years, and I can tell you from looking at all the research that there's been done on this, uh, there's a vast amount of research. The, the vast majority of Muslims are peaceful. They don't believe in using violence uh, to accomplish religious or political objectives. Okay, And this is dozens and dozens of, of, uh, of surveys and polls and, um, and, and in-depth studies in most Muslim countries. We just see the vast majority uh, of Muslims rejecting the use of violence. Uh, but about 7 to 10 percent consistently of the Muslim world does support the use of violence to accomplish political and religious objectives. That is what I describe, define as radical Islamism. Okay? And now you think, all right, well, that's good. 90 percent aren't violent. Maybe 10 percent are. So the vast majority aren't violent. True. But in a world of 1.8 billion Muslims, 10% is 180 million people, right? That's more than half of the population of the United States. If, you, if they all gathered in the same country, let's call it the radical Republic of Radicalistan, <laughs> you know, the, this would be the ninth largest country in the world. Now, it doesn't mean that all of those folks are going to commit violence. What it means is this is the pool from which the terrorist organizations are recruiting. And that's why this is still a fight, because there seems to be an inexhaustible supply of radicals willing to jump into the fight after we arrest, imprison, or kill um, the radicals that are you know, on the move in the, in the Middle East. And that's what Americans have to understand, and Christians in particular. And that's a good point. I think many people look back at 9-11 and say that only took a handful of radical people to be able to do something like that. And so it doesn't take a lot, but it's certainly something to be concerned about. But I want to switch gears here briefly and talk about something that just recently passed the one-year mark, the Abraham Accords. This was an agreement between Israel and some of the Middle Eastern nations showing that there is progress being made. What do you make of the Abraham Accords and how does it impact perhaps what we see in the Bible? Yeah, this is so fascinating. Remember, uh, uh, President Trump uh, came into office with no foreign policy experience, and he was widely attacked and ridiculed because he, he talked about wanting to make peace in the Middle East. And everyone thought, you don't know what you're doing. You might make things even worse. But in fact, uh, Trump brokered four Arab-Israeli peace treaties uh, and normalization treaties uh, between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan. And a non-Arab country, but a Muslim-majority country, Kosovo, which is a fifth country. So really game-changing historic stuff in the Abraham Accords. Now, in the book, Enemies and Allies, what I describe is a conversation that I had with the crown prince of United Arab Emirates. His name is Mohammed bin Zayed. He's commonly known affectionately as MBZ. Okay? He had invited me to bring an evangelical delegation of leaders to Abu Dhabi to meet with him and his inner circle. We had a two-hour meeting in the palace with uh, MBZ, and I pressed him, among our other topics, about you know, would he and his country be willing to make peace with Israel even if the Palestinian leadership isn't ready, okay? And I said, we as Christians have been praying for the peace of Jerusalem According to the biblical command in Psalm 122, verse 6, we've been praying that for decades, and yet we've only seen Egypt and Jordan make those decisions, 
And for a quarter of a century almost, we haven't seen any Arab country go forward. So we want to just get this on the record with him. But he shocked us. NBC shocked us by saying, Joel, I'm ready. I'm going to make peace with Israel. And we're like, what? And we ended up talking about why, how he got into that view and what his plans were. And at the time, uh, Dylan and Joe, that, that was an off-the-record conversation. So we couldn't come out of the palace. And even though we had this huge headline, we couldn't share it. But two years later, and we kept, we stayed in close touch with him and his team. And two years later, MBZ was the first leader in 25 years to announce that he was going to make peace with Israel. And then all these others went into motion after the United Arab Emirates. I tell that story in the book. They allowed me to tell it now that it's, uh, you know, now that it's public. It's a fascinating story of how Christian leaders were invited to have a uh, both a front row seat and sort of a backstage pass at the most exciting and dramatic answers to our prayers for peace in the region in, in, in decades. And uh, I'm very hopeful. And I think one other thing is, in Enemies and Allies, I describe two uh, contradictory trend lines in the Middle East. The one side is you've got radical Islamists uh, feeling like the the wind is at their back, that Allah is on their side, especially in Iran, that they're ascendant, that they're becoming more powerful, and they're becoming more aggressive. So that's a problem. On the flip side, you've got Arab states fundamentally changing their view of is Israel an enemy or an ally, right? For almost 100 years, the Arabs have seen Israel and the Jews as, an, as enemies. Now they're seeing Israel and the Jewish people and Christians as allies. These are two entirely different trends, and there's no book that really gets into it, much less fits with all of the top leaders of the region. And love them or hate them, you get to hear them in their own words, talking about how they see reform in their countries and the dynamics in the region um, on the record. Uh, it's, a, it's a totally fascinating set of conversations. And again, um, it's amazing that God would open the door for me, of all people, without political power, I'm not a billionaire. You know, why did I get to sit in the room uh, with these top leaders? Right. Well, this is incredible information. We have to take a break. We'll be back with more here with Joe Rosenberg here on A View from the Wall. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. When we walk by faith, we walk with God. And when we walk with God and live our lives for God, then the impossible can happen. Isn't that what the Bible promises? That all things are possible for those who believe? And that we can accomplish all things through Christ who strengthens us? Hope is renewed when we remember that God can and has turned graves into gardens and mourning into dancing and seas into highways and shame into glory and bones into armies and brings beauty from ashes. Some listeners may recognize those words from a newer song titled Graves to Gardens, but all should recognize the words come from Scripture. God's love and power have no limits, and I believe the more we walk by faith and not by sight, the more we will experience the impossible. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. I am a watchman.com.
Welcome back to A View from the Wall. As Joe and I talk with Joel Rosenberg about his new book, Enemies and Allies, we want to look at some of the key areas of focus that will help you as a listener. We've talked some about the book already, but one of the major issues is Iran, or Iran, some people call it. It's a terror state, clearly an enemy. Is their version of radical Islam the same as the Taliban or Al-Qaeda? Talk a little bit about Iran and its plans for the world. Sure. Well, it's interesting. First of all, um, my conversation with the top Israeli leaders and the kings and the crown princes in the Arab world, how do they see the Iranian regime? Not the people of Iran, but the leadership. Uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, the the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, he went on the record with me uh, in Enemies and Allies to say that the supreme leader of Iran is, quote, the new Hitler, unquote. That tells you how worried not just the Arab countries, but Israel is about the Iranian regime. They believe that what Iran's leadership is, is, is preparing for and wants to be prepared for is a nuclear 9-11, that they want to commit a second Holocaust against the Jewish people by wiping Israel off the map and by attacking America, again, with a nuclear 9-11, and that they want to destroy and, and, and take over the Arab world as well. So um, there's a difference between... Uh, the regime in in Iran and and sort of the regular radical terrorist groups Hamas, Hezbollah, um, Taliban, you know, Al Qaeda, ISIS. The difference is that, that radical Islamists they're they're terrorists, but they they believe in using violence to a, achieve their political and religious objectives. That's my definition. That's a broad definition of radical Islamism. But what the leadership in Iran wants to do is what I call apocalyptic Islamism, meaning they're not trying to use violence to achieve certain objectives. They're trying to bring about genocide of Judeo-Christian civilization. Why? To bring about the end of days. They actually are driven by a genocidal eschatology, an end times theology that is not shared by most Muslims, but they, but the Supreme Leader believes this. And he's trying to bring about the end of uh, the end of time, the end of civilization as we know it. And I describe this in detail in Enemies and Allies. And it's an important distinction that many Christians don't know about. Many Americans, even our leaders in Washington, unfortunately, don't understand. Going back to what we talked about earlier with the Western thought, many Western thinkers, Americans included, hear about Sharia law and may respond, oh, oh, great, they have laws. That's good, right? Talk a little bit about Sharia law and how that fits into radical Islam in that part of the world. Well, Sharia law is the idea that a, a, an Islamic nation or kingdom uh, needs to be governed um, precisely by the, by the rule of the Quran, the scriptures of the Muslims. Now, Sharia law is practiced in, in a number of countries and Overall, it's, it's, a, it's a serious threat to Jews, to Christians, to any minority faith in those countries uh, because of the strictures of, um, of the Quran and, and the extra Quranic writings known as the Hadith. That are, some of those passages in those scriptures uh, or those perceived scriptures are, are very hostile to Jews and Christians. Now, it is, in some countries, Sharia is, is done in sort of a more moderate way. So I'm not saying that in every country, Sharia is immediately the worst possible 
scenario for Jews and Christians, but it usually is. And certainly what, uh, what uh, the Iranian regime is trying to do, what the Taliban is trying to do, right, is, is um, there is no room for a Jew or Christian. Uh, there's no room for evangelism. There's no room for a church. There's no room uh, for listening to music or holding the hand of your wife. Or, I mean, it, it is a, it's a brutal system, um, and, and even Muslims are deeply rejecting it. And you're seeing more and more Muslims calling for reform in the Middle East and or they're leaving Islam um, and they're becoming either agnostics, atheists, or even followers of Jesus Christ. And we're seeing more Muslims have come to faith in Jesus Christ in the Middle East and around the world in the last 40 or 50 years than in the last 14 centuries combined. That's phenomenal. And we want to talk more about that when we come back from our break, because there really is this contrast between what you see in the Middle East now between many Muslims who see the traditions of Islamic law or whether it's some of these radical groups and they see what is offered by Christians who come in as missionaries and seek to provide a different way and point toward Jesus or Isa, as they call it in their tradition. And there's so many incredible stories happening. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of these as we continue our discussion with Joel Rosenberg. Stay with us. We'll be back with more here on A View from the Wall. Jesus is coming again in an event known as the Rapture. You may be ready, but are your friends and family spiritually prepared for the coming of the Lord? We've created a new resource to help you help them. It's called the Rapture Kit. Rapture Kits are designed to help believers reach out to those lost before the Rapture and provide spiritual and practical information for those still here afterwards. Included in the Rapture Kit is a wealth of information on what the Rapture is and how to prepare for what is to come. The Rapture Kit also includes several Bibles, eBooks, audio and video sermons on prophecy, apologetics, the Christian walk and discipleship material, all preloaded on a 32 gigabyte flash drive. Warn the lost about the coming Rapture and help individuals in the post-Rapture world be drawn to Christ, equipping them to become the next generation of Christ followers and ministry leaders. Learn more and order at rapturekit.org. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. In our final segment today with Joel Rosenberg, we want to talk a little bit more about some of the good things God is doing in the Middle East, as well as some more about the new book that we have here with Joel today. As we ended our last segment, Joel, we talked a little bit about some of the ways God is bringing revival to people in Middle Eastern nations. Share a little bit more, if you would, about some of the things that you've seen. Yeah, I would actually call it a, a great awakening in the Muslim world, because a revival requires having been revived once. And we haven't seen much of a vital, even in the Middle East, uh, in much of the last 2,000 years, certainly in the last 1,400 years. But we are seeing, as I mentioned in the last segment, more Muslims are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in the last 50, 60 years or so, even in the last 15 or 20, than in the last 14 centuries combined. And I've had this remarkable opportunity, I can't believe God has let me do it, to travel throughout the Arab Muslim world and, and, and Muslim world that's not even Arab, from Morocco in the West to Afghanistan in the East, uh, Iraq and Saudi Arabia and all these other countries. And I've, been, I've met with people that used to be Muslims, and now they're devout followers of Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus is, 
is God himself. They believe that he is the only way to heaven. They believe that he died on the cross and rose again. That's a pure transformation because most Muslims revere Jesus um, as a prophet and even as Messiah, but they don't see him as God and they don't see him as a, someone who died on the cross, much less rose again. How is this happening? Well, you have a range of things. Um, uh, the gospel is certainly being preached on satellite television in, the, uh, in, in, in Arabic, in Farsi, in, in Turkic languages and others. Fascinating how God is using I think there's 11 or so uh, Christian satellite television networks preaching the gospel and, uh, and teaching the Bible uh, in the Muslim world these days. Uh, radio, Transworld Radio and others are, are, are doing the same thing. And the Internet has really penetrated into these countries. But we're also seeing many uh, Muslims having dreams, having visions. Right out of the book of Joel, chapter 2, the real prophet, the book of Joel from the Bible, not, not, not one of my books. God is doing something that's extraordinary, and I think uh, the more Christians learn uh, about it, the more excited we ought to be that God is, truly loves every people group and is, and is doing great work um, to draw Muslims to himself. We run a ministry called the Joshua Fund that's like a venture capital firm to invest in strengthening our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East. And, and helping to train and equip Muslim background believers, uh, that Joshua Fund. We've invested more than $80 million over the last 15 years uh, to do this type of work in Israel and throughout the Arab world. And it's one of the things that electrifies me. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Afghanistan isn't one of those countries that's easy to identify like Iran that was named Persia in the Bible up until 1935. Is Afghanistan in Bible prophecy and in the last days records as far as you see it? I don't see a direct reference to Afghanistan in the scriptures. I, I, I think it's interesting that uh, Jesus talks about it in, in John, I believe it's John 16. He says, a day is coming when those who kill you will believe they're doing service to God. Now, Jesus was speaking um, in, in part about the time that he was uh, warning about that was coming up, where Jewish leaders were going to be killing Jews who were turning to faith in Jesus as Messiah. And of course, that, that came true in the book of Acts, right? But Jesus was also prophesying about the future, and I believe he's talking about our time, where radical Muslims are killing people, killing Christians, uh, and believe they're doing service to God. And of course, what we're seeing in Afghanistan uh, fits that. But I think what's interesting, and I, and I actually in, I have a chapter in Enemies and Allies that talks about what are some of the major prophecies uh, that, that Christians point to in the Bible that talks about the future of the Middle East. Some of them are country-specific, some of those prophecies. Others are sort of more broadly about what's going on in the region. But yeah, we, we've got uh, – so Afghanistan isn't a specific one, except if you look at Matthew 24, verse 14, in which – Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. You know, we're, in Afghanistan, uh, when I was there, um, definitely we're seeing growth as Muslims were coming out of Islam and coming to faith with, in Jesus, but usually secretly. But in Iran, it, it's, an, it's like an explosion of growth. That's where we're seeing a true full-on awakening. I interviewed for this book a dear friend of mine, Dr. Hormoz Shariat, 
I call him the Billy Graham of Iran. He's based in America now in Dallas. He's got a, he runs a 24 hour day satellite television network preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible in the Farsi Iranian language into the Iranian world. But, um, but in 1979, Hormoz and his wife were Shia Muslims on the streets of uh, Tehran shouting, death to Israel, death to America. Uh, his story of how he came to faith in Jesus is pretty exciting. And he wrote a book last year called Iran's Great Awakening. And as much as I want you to read Enemies and Allies, the next book I want you to read is Hormoz Shariat's book, uh, Iran's Great Awakening. I wrote the foreword for it. It is so exciting because it really shows God is starting to transform our worst enemy by saving uh, millions of Iranian Muslims and bringing them to faith in Christ. Um, Joel, you've been on our program before. We wanted to take a moment as we close today to encourage our watchmen and our watchwomen who seek to finish well in these last days. And as you do, share a little bit more about where people can get a copy of your book and other resources from your organization. Sure. Well, I, I encourage people to learn, pray, give, and go. And you can learn about what's happening in the Middle East right now by reading Enemies and Allies. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of your favorite uh, Christian bookstores or other stores. Um, you can learn more at my website, joelrosenberg.com. A couple of other resources. I run two uh, websites, two news sites called All Israel News and All Arab News. Um, you can track daily coverage of what's happening in the region, and you can even sign up for our free email uh, newsletters to have the headlines sent directly to your phone or to your desktop. Well, that's wonderful. We want to thank you so much for being here with us today. And for our listeners, we want to thank you as well. We appreciate you for joining us here on A View from the Wall and encourage you to listen again at IamAWatchman.com, where you can get more of our information from our e-newsletter, download free resources, and get other information to help you in your spiritual journey. We also appreciate your prayers and support to help us as we serve you and others here on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall. <music>